friends, welcome to Log On at 11, uh, Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during our current COVID crisis. Uh, we're going to follow our little liturgy as, as has become our pattern while we're online. Uh, this is due to the fact that singing it is quite difficult, I think, when you're at home and trying to follow something on a screen. So it just gives us something to do together, which makes it feel a bit more like worship and a bit less like just watching something on the telly. Uh, the convention is straightforward. If you've got a print copy in front of you, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I say on my own. Uh, if you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference and have been indifferent to those in need, forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves, forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Hello. I thought we'd try a game this morning. I recently discovered a quiz programme called Only Connect and uh, this is one of their games. You need to fill in the gap to work out what the words should be. And just to give you the theme, because that's what Only Connect really uh, relies on, you understanding that the theme today is future plans or how could we make the world a better place in 2021? So have a look at my very first clue and you'll see there are some gaps. Can you work out how the gaps could be filled? Um, if you've got a bit of an idea, give yourself a minute or two and then have a go. I won't know whether you agree with me, but that seems to work the best. And uh, after all, to be kind and gentle is a plan you can start today and make a life work of making the world better and kinder for other people. Let's have a look at the next one. Let's see what that's about. So I wonder, talented... Yeah, that gives you a bit of a clue, that weird word at the end. Yeah, I don't know, you might not have a real thing, but let's have a look at the answer. Yeah, learning to play 
the uh, air guitar. Well, you know, you might have a talent or you may not have an, a, a machine to, to work your talent out on. But it's a plan, isn't it? What could you do? So let's look at the third one. Um, and this is something really that a lot of us can do at this time in very many different ways. Can you see where we should be if you look at those clues? Um, I think you'll probably get the word encouraging. What's the rest, I wonder? Let's have a look. Yeah, there it is. Encouraging a lonely person. Now, for this, you have to have a real intention, don't you? Uh, because you can get quite absorbed in what you're doing and uh, not even notice that somebody else might be feeling a bit bit off that day so so maybe maybe this is somewhere where you could begin to work and operate at making the world a better place for 2021 a good plan now we're going to make the, the task a little bit harder now i'm not going to put where the gaps for the vowels should go um, you'll have noticed we've just been finding vowels and that makes it a bit easier when it comes to a bit of a clue. So let's see if we can work out now what it is that we're looking at um, in the next section. Let's have a look at the next one. So what do you think this one is all about? Right, let's have a quick look. Um, A E I O, but not you, I think, in this one. And sure enough, you've probably guessed by now, it's it's a one for helping our environment, buying an electric car. My goodness, you know, how could we all make some sort of impact so that this climate change stuff is halted, um, if not turned back? Thank you, God, that this is possible still. And let's make the very best we can of changing how our world is heading by our good decisions to, to keep things uh, equal, more equal in our society and to give our world a chance to get back to how it should be. So here we go. Here's one, I think, for several of you that might, you might be longing for at the moment. I wonder if you can see what we're after here i wonder how soon will this one happen so what do you think yeah going back to school wow it will be a wonderful day and it's not just going back to school is it for us at church as well going back to church what a wonderful day it will be when we're all allowed to gather again in probably a much better ventilated building with the doors and windows open and our masks on. But the day will come, I'm quite sure, that the Lord has got it in hand. So our very last one, what I've given you, what I've just told you may be a clue. So what do you think this is? Where are we going with this plan for our future? Yeah. I'm sure you've seen already that what we're looking at is trusting God, the only reliable and constantly available Lord of the universe, who is also our Father. How amazing is that? And I've got to leave you with a little verse uh, which you might like to look up. It's, it's in Romans chapter 8, and it's verse 28, so you might want to look at it later. 
And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So let's hope we can make this next year, as we plan, one that's according to God's purpose. Thank you. The reading is taken from Genesis chapter 27, starting at verse 41 and continuing into chapter 28 to verse 9. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Pedamaram, to the house of my mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way. And he went to Pedamaram to Laban's son of Bethuel of Aramin, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Pedamaram to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Pedamaram. Esau then realised how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahaleth, the sister of Nabioth and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. So Jacob and Esau, we're uh, third session in uh, uh, our little series on the life and times of Jacob. Uh, and last week we saw the way in which a fraud was perpetrated in order to make sure that the blessing, uh, Isaac's blessing, actually passed to him and not to his brother. Uh, he and his mother colluded. In fact, it was his mother's idea, Rebecca. Uh, and they managed uh, to do what they wanted to do. And Jacob receive the blessing. Now, these few verses that we read earlier, they they seem odd and out of place. You could take those out and the story would still flow along quite nicely. In fact, you wouldn't miss these few verses that we read today. So why are they there? It does seem as though the narrator or the writer of the story was quite keen uh, for 
his hearers to understand how important it was uh, not to be seduced by foreign gods uh, and other ways of approaching the world. There's a, a desire for fidelity to the God of Israel and to that God's way of operating and doing things. And it, it's almost, well, it, it is, it's not almost, it is absolutely uh, an insert because the writer wants to say something specific and wants to remind his hearers at this time of something specific. And it's highly likely uh, that the writer is writing to the people, writing the story to the people and for the people whilst they were in exile. So they know, uh, they know the punishment that comes from having abandoned God and now they find themselves living amongst a group of foreigners. This is really thought to be written at the time of the exile when the people of God were away from their own land, their own temple, uh, their own territory, uh, their own everything. Uh, and all around them are the gods of the foreign nation uh, in which they find themselves. And it's tempting to just fall into doing what everybody around you is doing. And this is a call to remain distinctive. That's why I think these few verses have been inserted. Even so, it's worth just reflecting on them for a few minutes uh, to see what we might learn from them. And then next week we'll get back to the story, uh, which you know will carry us along to the next phase uh, of uh, Jacob's life. So I think there are, there are three plans broadly that are trying to operate in these few verses. Um, there's Esau's consolation, Esau's plan, there's Rebecca's plan, uh, and there's Isaac's plan. So we'll just touch on each of these briefly and see where we end up. So uh, we've seen how Esau has given up his birthright. We've seen how Esau has lost his blessing. Uh, we became very obviously aware of that last week, the pathos and the sadness of father and oldest son when they realised that the fraud had been perpetrated and Esau had lost the blessing, the blessing, had gone to his younger brother, Jacob. Uh, the deep sadness, the deep grief uh, that came out of that. Now, uh, Esau is consoling himself with thoughts of death. For Jacob, um, you know, he, he's absolutely focused on doing harm to his brother. That's the only way he's going to find any peace of mind, he thinks, revenge on his brother. That's the only way this is going to work. Um, we know, actually, that's not going to happen. But it's a very natural and human response, isn't it? When someone has hurt us. Very often uh, our thoughts turn to vengeance. Um, we may be not quite in the same place as Esau, not, <laughs> uh, but the law of the playground, you know, is not far below the surface for most of us, even, even though we're now grown-ups. Uh, adults, maybe. Well, adults, definitely. But that law of the playground, I'm going to get you, is never far away, is it? Um when we think about Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, I'm, I'm very glad 
that he didn't respond like that. Uh, when you think about all that he endured in those final days of his life, in the run-up to the crucifixion, uh, mockery, humiliation, pain, suffering, crown of thorns, nails. Uh, what was his response? Father, forgive them. Now, we're not Jesus, obviously, um, but we bear his name and we call God Father and we are family. So it would be nice to think, wouldn't it, that something of the family likeness would be in our thinking and in our behaviour. Let's not forget that the Holy Spirit is at work within us, working to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus every day. So the marks of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, should be seen in us. Bitterness and anger, will they reap a bitter harvest? Uh, it's cold comfort at the end of the day, of course it is, because something in, inside us dies whenever we take that route. It's much better to practice forgiveness. And we've we've spoken of forgiveness before, haven't we? Um, th this is not, when we say we forgive someone, we're not letting them off. What we're doing is we're handing them over to God's perfect judgment. So if someone has wronged you in some way, and that's, that's always a possibility, uh, when you say, I will forgive them, you're not saying I will let them off. What you're saying is, I will put you into God's hands. I will let God deal with you because God knows exactly what was going on in your head when you did whatever it was you did to me. God knows what your motivation was. God knows what you were hoping for in terms of an outcome. God knows whether you were motivated uh, mistakenly. God knows whether you thought you were doing the right thing. Uh, God knows whether you really wanted to cause me harm or whether that was just an accidental outcome of something else that you set in train. I can't know any of that. Uh, and if it was up to me, I would want to punish you and punish you very severely. And whatever I was able to, re uh, to, to meet out to you, actually it probably wouldn't be enough and I'd be wanting to hurt you some more in different ways. So it's best actually for me to say I forgive you because it stops me from being caught up on that wretched treadmill of it not being enough and not knowing uh, whether the punishment that I have inflicted is enough because we never know that. We always think maybe it should be a bit more. Maybe they should suffer a bit more. And we're never free. So when we say, I forgive you, we hand them over into God's hands. We're, we're putting them under his jurisdiction, his perfect judgment. And actually, we are letting ourselves off, letting ourselves off the hook. We don't have to do any of that stuff. We can just leave that with God and let him deal with it. Uh, and he says, vengeance is mine. He knows if we've been wronged and it was done deliberately, he'll know about that and he'll deal with that. If it was done accidentally, he'll know about that and he'll deal with that. Um, it's not for us to do. It's for him to do. So forgiveness is always, for me, the right way forward, much as I might want to, you know, wreak havoc 
uh, upon somebody else. It's not the right way forward. It's not the thing to do. So, Esau's plan is death and destruction for his brother. Is that going to work out? Well, we'll see as the story continues to unfold in the coming weeks. Rebecca's plan uh, revolves around saving Jacob, her favourite son. Um, nothing more, nothing less. He must be sent away in order to protect him from Esau's anger. But how to do this without making him a fugitive? So she uses the pretext of marriage and Rebecca plays on the idea of intermarriage and its negative aspects and doesn't want uh, Jacob to marry a Hittite or a Canaanite woman. So, he's, I mean, Rebecca's really the mouthpiece of the author at this stage, warning his hearers about intermarriage and assimilation and losing your distinctive Israelite heritage and identity. Um, so it's not a racial thing, it's a cultural thing. And as the history of Israel unfolds, it becomes apparent, uh, doesn't it, that it's a story of unfaithfulness. It's a story of God's people moving away from God uh, and embracing foreign gods, usually through the marriage of a king or someone else of significant status to a foreign queen. She brings her customs and her religion with her, all of her culture, uh, and seems somehow to move the king uh, away from fidelity to the true God. The question here is, is certainly about purity of faith. So we, we don't want Jacob to marry a Hittite or Canaanite woman uh, because it will lead to a dilution of his faith. Um, and this question of marriage is raised in the New Testament too. Uh, should a Christian marry a non-Christian? The question is often asked in churches sometimes, um, I mean, less so now for me, but when I was in a youth group, uh, as a you know, when I was first converted, oh gosh, the conversations that used to go on around that, could you marry, could you go out with someone who was not a Christian? And of course, it, it is so much harder for the girls because there are nearly always more girls than boys in a youth group. Great place for me. <laughs> uh, but if, you know, if you're going to say that, then churches, you know, sisters and brothers in Christ, we've got to work much harder to attract young men into the church as well, if you want to hold that line. I personally don't take that view. I think God has a way uh, of working things out when we, you know, when we try to remain steadfast uh, and when we try to remain faithful to him, he has a way of working things out. And of course, Paul also uh, makes that comment, doesn't he? When women do, uh, women are, you know, you're, you're in a relationship, you get married and then one of you becomes a Christian. What do you do? Do you divorce your unbelieving spouse? No, you don't. You stay. And Paul says, you know, your, uh, your being present in the marriage sanctifies your unbelieving partner. So, you know, there's, there's not a cut and dried way of approaching this. You can choose. Um, think carefully about what you want to do. It's like everything else when it comes to uh, ethical behaviour or trying to apply something that the Bible says. Very often there isn't just one approach. Sometimes there's a, you know, there's a mixed bag. Uh, and we're expected to think carefully about the context that we're in and how we're going to go about this. Uh, so 
the con- the context, the pretext, sorry, is marriage. We we must get him away. Uh, we must get Jacob away uh, so that he can marry someone within the faith. So he can marry someone in the sort of wider family and uh, everything will be well. But we, we remember it's not just about marriage, it's about culture and how the faith community engages with surrounding cultures, being in the world, but not of the world, again, as Paul would say. Uh, and Jesus reminds us, doesn't he, in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are to be salt and light in the world. We are there to enhance the savour and flavour. We are there to prevent decay. Um, the world needs us and what we bring. And we thought about that when we looked at the Sermon on the Mount last year. Um, clearly, the culture of the world does need us. Uh, and the task, our task, as Christian believers in the world is to see to its transformation. Just as Jesus moved in different circles and took light and life with him, so those who followed him are called to do the same. So that's our task, friends, transformation of the whole of society. Well, don't do all of it today. Just think about the little bit that you move in. Think about your circle. How can you demonstrate the love of Christ there? How can you be light to that small part uh, of the world that you find yourself in? Um, Isaac's got a plan. And that is to see that the blessing is passed on to the next generation. It's been given. um, And in the little piece that we read earlier, that's just a reinforcement, really, of all that has gone before. This time it's given in the full knowledge that it's Jacob who's receiving it. And from this point onwards, actually, friends, the this focus of the story is going to move away from the family because it's all been about the family up to this point. Uh, and it's going to focus on the individual. We're going to see how God communicates with Jacob. Uh, because up until now, interestingly, God has not spoken to Jacob at all. He's spoken to Rebecca, hasn't he? Why is all this jostling going on in my womb? You've got two nations within you. Uh, two boys, two nations, and the older will serve the younger. That's the only direct communication we've had up till now. Uh between God and the main protagonists of this story. And the focus is going to narrow right down to Jacob from next week onwards. And we're going to be very interested in Jacob's interaction uh, with his uncle Laban and with others as the story continues to unfold. See you next week. Friends, just before I lead you in intercessions, I want to read uh, a little card that was sent to us by Edna Brown, Dave Brown's mother. You remember that Dave sadly died unexpectedly uh, and we conducted his funeral a little while ago. This is what his mother, Edna, has sent to us. Uh, Dear Kevin, I'm writing to thank you and all the members of your congregation for making David's funeral service such a happy and peaceful memory. 
would you please pass on my thanks for all the letters, photographs and prayer support. It was much appreciated. As David wished, we have split the donations between Bletchley Boys Brigade and Christian Aid, £347 each. Thanks to all who contributed to this amazing sum. And in the card it says, when I needed someone to care, you were there. Thanks. Sincerely, Edna Brown. Let us pray. We continue to pray for the world, Lord, your world, uh, the world in which we participate uh, with you to try and alleviate suffering and bring hope. And there are lots of places in the world that need to know your hope. We were saddened to hear of uh, more bombings in Iraq, in Baghdad, uh, two suicide bombers uh, in recent days. We pray for all those who lost their lives, for those who are grieving. And ask that the men of violence might understand that there is no future for any who follow that path, whatever they may have been told. It is only when we start to listen carefully to one another that we can see any sort of resolution coming. We pray for our friends in the United States uh, following the inauguration of their new president. Uh, there does seem to be a more hopeful tone and a more hopeful feel around the news coming out of that country. And we're thankful that this new president is seeking to reach out to the world uh, and to find his place again uh, amongst the peoples of the world and to allow America to find their place too. And once again, to take on a significant leadership role. We pray for him as he organises his team and starts to think about his priorities, particularly in this first hundred days, which we understand to be the most significant time uh, in a new presidency. We pray for all those who've been affected in our country by Storm Christoph, uh, particularly those in Northern England and North Wales who are wrestling uh, with uh, flooding, lots of snow, lots of uh, rain, rivers rising rapidly and stepping outside their bounds, overflowing, pouring into places where they shouldn't be, homes and livelihoods affected once again. Help us all to wake up, Lord. Uh, these severe weather events used to be described as once in a lifetime, and now they seem to be happening every two to three years. We pray for all those who are working hard to mitigate climate change and ask, Lord, that you will bless their endeavour, that you would help us to be alive and alert to what we can do to help make uh, the world a safer place in terms of uh, climate change. What are we doing that might make it worse? Can we change our behaviours? Will we change our behaviours? Lord, speak to us as we try to be attentive to what you're showing us in the created order. 
We continue to be thankful for the rollout of vaccines to combat COVID-19 in our country. Thank you for the opportunity uh, that comes our way, the opportunities that come our way uh, to be vaccinated, to encourage others to be vaccinated, to, to see this thing rolled out quickly and safely. We pray that we'll do all that we can uh, to support and encourage that. We've become very aware in these recent days, Lord, of the pressures that are on our nurses and doctors in hospitals up and down the land. We pray for all the NHS staff uh, that are engaged so in so costly a way. We pray for their safety, energy and peace. We pray for those who lead hospitals, you know, administrators and others. We pray for wisdom and good decision making to give the best outcome for staff and patients. We pray for patience, for healing, for peace. Uh, and we, we pray that this disease will be defeated ultimately, that we will all be able to return uh, to a life which looks and feels relatively normal. We pray that this whole emergency will come to an end in a timely fashion. And that again, if there are things that we can be doing to help with all of that, we will take every opportunity. We pray for our friends, for Chris, Ken, Adrienne and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Jesse, Dennis and Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Naomi, Nigel, Lynn, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Ron, Gail, Andy and Gemma's family. We gather up all of our prayers as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil, 
strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honour all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.